episode 119. This is Greg Duncan. And this is Martin Woodward. Hey, Martin. Hey, hey, how's things? Good, good. And yourself? Yeah, doing very well, thank you. I'm running the latest Windows anniversary update here on my uh, Surface, and I've got, uh, I just had a new build inside a preview build come down to the phone, so it's exciting living, and oh, more importantly, I have my (laughs) Starbucks card pinned to my start screen now in Windows 10 on the phone, because Starbucks just uh, shipped their Windows 10 app. That's pretty, I just installed that app, like, yesterday as well so uh. <laughs> in fact i was in i i, I um I, I did the update because <laughs> i heard that the starbucks app was there I was like, right that's fine that's me upgraded and then um and then so i upgraded it and then i was like and i sat there thinking what was it what was it and i was stood in the starbucks queue um the this this morning i went for a cup of tea with my wife this morning went and stood in the starbucks queue and i was like Oh, yeah, I remember now. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so there we go. So it works really well. Because on Windows Phone, have you, yeah, you, you can pin the actual card you want to use to your start screen. So you oh. can just, you can, because um, uh, I have a couple of cards. I have a UK card and a US card, but at most of it, the, the UK ones on automatically tops up. And so I just um, have it pinned to my start screen, click that, and it takes me straight to the barcode, you know, so you can hit pay. Right, it's right, awesome. Wow. So you don't have so yeah, you just want one button press and you can pay pay the barista because there's nothing worse than oh, I'd just be a minute, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> and you're trying to be a pro and you end up looking like a total. I was just excited that you know all my coworkers and stuff they have the Starbucks apps on their yeah. you know iPhone, Android phones. Like oh, so I had to install it. I haven't actually set it up yet. I don't really buy a lot of coffee. I'm a cheap bastard. Yeah, you know, that free coffee at work usually keeps me going. Well, but. the thing is, Starbucks do. It's quite hard to get good tea when I'm in America. Believe it or not. Mm. Uh, Cafe 16 on campus does a, does a lovely pot of tea. They do uh, they do they do an organic breakfast tea in a pot with a china cup, and I'm sure I'm the only one that gets this pot. Because <laughs> whenever I walk up to it, like you, you know, she sort of smiles and just walks over and gets the pot ready. <laughs> and um, oh, it's just, and I think they'd blow off the dust, you know, if I haven't been there for a few weeks. But no the best tea on campus but apart from that it's really hard to get a cup of tea um and but starbucks does reliably good tea and when when you're out and about and traveling in america so that's why i use my starbucks card a lot use it for breakfast and things i'm mostly i'm mostly using the states which is funny um so yeah so there we go so anyway got that all set up and then running the anniversary update have you got it have you got it all set up on your machine yep the machine we're recording this on that i'm talking to you on just we just updated it and it's been working pretty good i have another that one of my build uh x360s mm-hmm. uh, the hp machine we got uh, that's on the insider and has been updating for forever but my main main machine it was 1511 and i upgraded it to, uh, to 1607 and so far it's been working pretty good there's like two little tiny stupid you know nothing issues but uh which is kind of surprising like you know the lock screen you can have your own picture on the lock screen yeah and then have it go on your sign-in screen as well well that doesn't work for me if i have it set to have the same picture lock screen on my login screen my lock screen is black huh works great for me but i don't have my own picture i i let it bring down the bing picture because because they're awesome and i love them but uh but it is the same screen on my you know when i sign in it's the same image so Huh? Yeah, it's but fine. beyond that, it's been working great, and it seems to be faster. And I, I'm loving Edge, and I'm loving that we finally got extensions in yeah, Edge. Yeah, fast, fast installed in Edge. Yeah, yep. I'm missing um, extensions aren't on the. I should have a look. I should have a look on an Edge on the new build of the phone that just dropped. I don't think. I'm not sure if extensions are in that version yet because an ad blocker is really useful on the phone. <laughs> so no, I don't see. I don't see extensions here, but may I don't know. Uh, see, who knows what build I'm running as well, so I better not say what I can see. Um, yeah, it's cool. Um, it's I'm really looking for. I'm really enjoying it, and the um, bash on Windows is there, which is great. Yeah. So um, obviously for me it's brilliant. So I can you know do all my Unixy stuff and not get shouted at. So that's great. And uh, <laughs> top tip to the listeners: first thing you should do after you've installed bash on Windows is um, type sudo 
um, apt upgrade. So apt. So sudo sud. I'll put. I'll, why not just do this in a tweet? But anyway, sudo <laughs> apt upgrade. And people who are Unixy will kind of know that any what I mean there. But um, when it when it down it downloads an an image and installs it, it's quite an. Uh, it seems to download it from a store. It's an interesting installation process. You basically go to the command prompt, type bash after you've installed the. Um, uh, the what do they call it? The Linux um, Linux subsystem for Windows or something like that. I think so. Yeah. Um, after you've installed that, which is kind of buried away, it took me it took me a while to find. And you switch on develop mode, install install the Windows Linux developer subsystem for Windows, and then or something, and then switch on Bash by typing. But I just typed Bash at the command line at that point, and then it, it went and installed it, and then it gives you a, a Bash shortcut with a little Ubuntu icon that you can click on, um, and it's cool. And then once but once you get in CD sudo apt upgrade, basically um, calls the package manager to upgrade all the packages, so the image it downloaded and installed. Obviously, the store doesn't get updated as often as um as the the root repository stores and so it downloads all the latest security patches and things to all the stuff that's running inside of your app get so it's cool yeah i think that that uh linux subsystem is one of the most interesting technological things i've seen in windows in a long time just the fact that it's not sigwin it's yeah, not it a does. recompiled. It's the real, actual Ubuntu binaries running in user mode on Windows. They redirect all the API calls. It's the real thing. And there's even a X-Ming, uh, X-Windows uh, server for Windows you can uh. run. So on your bash, you can actually run X-Windows type things as well. Weird. Yeah. So run X just eyes and have it following your mouse around. <laughs> yeah. And G edit and all that sort of stuff. I knew I'd been using it too much because uh, I, I tweeted this because I'd had um, I, I got this alarm pop up as I was I went I went to see a customer yesterday and I was on the tube at the time and then and my phone buzzed. I was like, oh no, I've got an appointment. I've forgotten about and looked at it and it said colon X. <laughs> <laughs> so I'd been in Vim too much and then obviously been in Outlook creating appointments and then done colon X to leave Outlook at some point. Yeah, anyway, never mind. <laughs> Cool. So yeah, we should, so, we should probably do probably get on with the service. Sorry, but no, I'm going. Mean, it's, it's it's good. I'm running beta. I'm running not beta bits. I'm running you know latest bits. It always feels yeah. nice, doesn't it? Yeah, it sure does. Sure does. I've, and I've been waiting. There are so many features on anniversary update that I've used on my insider mm-hmm. machine that every time I go back to my main box, it's like, oh god, I wish it. You know, I wish the start menu was the new start menu. I wish Edge had the extensions, or I wish this or that, or all it that crap. Looks now, nice, got as well, it, doesn't so. it? It's just yeah. shinier, and like the animations work. It just it's just got a nice bit of polish on it. It feels pretty yeah. solid. I mean, you know, I've been running it for a little while on a different machine. So interestingly, the machine that's currently my uh, my old laptop kind of died a bit, and so I'm running it's on like a um, just a Surface Three, not even a Surface Pro Three, a Surface Three. Hmm. I've been I actually run that as my daily like machine for just over maybe two months. I don't know. Yeah. Been you know, and it, it struggles a bit. It can it can actually run Visual Studio. It's amazing, but I don't do that much coding on it. I tend to hop over to a VM um, if I need to do anything, you know, like seriously heavy lifting in terms of coding. But I, know, I, I happily happily runs. But doing .NET Core development, it's just fine, you know, because that's <laughs> a lot less yeah. resource intensive. You know, with Visual Studio 2015 update three and things, so it's all good and um, works street. But uh, as tomorrow, hopefully, with any luck. It, um, I, my shiny new uh, one terabyte Surface Book should be uh, turning up, so I'm very excited. Top of nice. the one terabyte i7 Surface Book, yeah, finally turned up in the uh, internal order system. You know, because for ages we couldn't get them because they just we just couldn't make enough, and so they you know right. they had this crazy thing where they would satisfy a customer demand before they let us staff buy them. It's just, uh. What's that all about, eh? <laughs> I don't know. And then uh, finally we can get them internally now. I was like, yes, so I got mine and it's awesome. I'm really looking forward to it. So I'll let you know how that goes. Awesome. Okay. Now, before we get to the uh, the news, and we have a lot of news and a lot of okay. posts. So, you know, just to let everybody know, we'll probably go through those relatively fast. And uh, you can always reference and get the details yep, in the yep. show notes. But I got to ask you, Martin, last show, I talked about one of our new front end developers, mm-hmm. uh, who's a Mac guy. Uh, work provided him, we provided him a Mac, it's domain joined. And 
we've been working through the process of getting him connected to our existing TFS. Uh, it's TFS 2013 update four, which by the way, I take a go off the rails a second. I've upgraded our 2015 update three for that first week in, uh, in September. So yeah, finally, where I'm going to finally upgrade. Um, but we're trying to get him connected to our 2013 update for you know, TFS, TFVC shop. And it's been something of a learning curve for everyone. So it's a 20, 2013 update four. Okay. Correct. That's within, that's actually when I used to, you know, that's within my time on the product. So, okay. <laughs> and we got, oh, uh, running Eclipse on what installed. version of Windows Server, by the way, is TFS? Uh, 2012. Yep. Yep. It was actually that's our twenty that's our TFS twenty twelve box which we upgraded to twenty thirteen and for this edition it will everything that's already on that machine will upgrade uh, supported for the twenty fifteen upgrade and it's running uh, Yosemite yeah. is he's running the latest version of OS ten I think he was running El Capitan I don't know if he upgraded or no, not yeah it's, I mean El Capitan Yosemite should be fine but I'm just interested right. And so we got Eclipse installed. We got Team Explorer Everywhere installed, uh, the, the plug-in to, to uh, Eclipse. Now, we had a major problem using the command line. I, I think it was just, you know, I, I was stupid or something. I just couldn't. We could never seem to get the command line to work right. Um, so, you know, if <laughs> I, I don't know why, maybe we weren't using the right resources, you know, looking it up right. I, every time I looked on the web, there was you know, one of your blog posts <laughs> about it. But uh, we got it working in Eclipse, got it connected. That took a little bit of time. And, so uh, and we're talking to, to TFBC here, aren't we, as well? Correct. Okay. <laughs> Correct. Um, so not only are we trying to get him connected to, to TFS, but we're also trying to teach him who was very grew up with Git. Mm -hmm. How how a centralized version control works versus what he is so used to yep. with uh, the decentralized. Yeah, um, it shouldn't be that. I mean, at least you've got local workspaces, so it shouldn't be that different once, once right. it's all working. Right. So when we're in Eclipse and using Eclipse, it seems to work almost exactly like you would expect it to as it works Ooh. in um, Visual Studio. Okay. That's a good uh, sign. Now we do have one weirdness is he actually would rather use Adam as his editor. Uh-huh. So he'll go to the go to the folder where he's downloaded connected to the workspace and he'll start editing a file and then we'll like go to Eclipse to check it in and it Eclipse doesn't know that it was changed. Yeah, no, it won't. You have to hit refresh okay. in okay. in the pending uh yeah, you cuz there's no file watcher on uh on the mac uh that that, it. that it's hooking into so you have okay. to go in and in the pending changes view hit the refresh button right. and then it and it does a detect changes and then off you go okay um, perfect because that's what i thought too but okay. and actually what we ended up doing is a compare if we would do like in the um oh yeah don't do that. That, that, that that's actually more intensive so i would just okay. do i would just go to the pending chain again this was like based on the Team Explorer that I wrote, not the one that's right. now where they've managed to rip out most of the code I wrote really <laughs> and make it good. But you used to just hit, you should just hit um, refresh in the pending changes view and then it should do a scan um, of the local workspace and see that's, and detect that something's changed. Okay, cool. Well, I'll give that a try then. Okay. But once we did that and we were playing with merging in one instance, somebody stomped on somebody else's yeah. version of a file and I think that was just a learning curve because there was a con conflict and i think he selected local over server yeah. and you know yeah, yeah. but uh we you did prove out and then you finally did it right later but yeah that's fine yeah yeah yeah. and that's what we ended up we worked through the scenario we took a half hour says okay you change this file you change this one cool. and let's work through all the scenarios and uh, uh it seems to be working fine he's we're checking code in they're dealing they're merging code changes you know uh file content changes so um yeah, I think that uh, your tip about the local workspaces is no file watcher on the Mac. That's good. So okay. we're not going insane. Um, the refresh and the pending changes. Uh, and do you have or know of any? I doubt there really is. I mean, I think I would have seen it. But is there like a – there is a TFS, TFVC to Git cheat sheet translation guide, which I've already gave him and we talked about before, but is there a kind of the reverse, a uh, Git guy moving it to a TFVC world? I did an SVN to TFVC post once, but no, uh, 
Gear? No, probably not, because we just went and built Git instead. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, what would be the best? Let me think. I'm trying to think what would be the best. Um, yeah, one of his questions he was asking, like, how, how does the workflow go? At the end of yeah. my day, mm-hmm. what do I do? You so, know, yeah, well, you want to teach him about shell sets. <laughs> okay. And it, so, I mean, at the end of it, if he's getting to the end of his day before he checks in, then he's then you're doing it wrong. You know, right, you should be right, checking right. in very frequently, like multiple times per day. So ideally, yep. check in and, and you know make sure the build's building, and then off you go. But um, you should also teach him a shell set. And people will say that shell sets are like um, stashes in Git, and that's logically correct, but that's not workflow correct. <laughs> you use a shell set like you would use a local branch in Git. So, okay. um, and it, that's how I would explain it to him. So basically, any changes that you want to save somewhere, but you don't want to, um, you don't want to, you don't want to merge into the into the main branch yet because you're not exactly. 100 sure if they work. But you want to go home, um, right. then just shelve them. And uh, yeah, show them about shell sets, and then show them how you can. Uh, you know, um, restore files from a shell sets, and he he will find shell sets very much like um, he would have used branches in Git, and, and okay. so yeah, local branches in Git anyway. Um, and then you do, do you do, do you do any branching in your version twelve point three or not? Not really. Okay, that's fine then. Don't 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 go down that route because do, that's just, there lies where the confusion will kick in because a branch means a very different thing in the Git world. But you were mentioning in the pre-show that you're having trouble with the command. Like, so did you have to with authentication? Did you have to futz around with that to get Eclipse working, or was that was that just from the command line? Uh, no, we actually had it. We had, it wasn't working in either one. Um, we couldn't get him to connect and authenticate. Now it's we not had going. It's issues. not accidentally going through a proxy server, is he? No. I, I, Carry on. Uh, we do have proxies set up. Uh, uh, that's a good good thought. But what we had we had two issues. One, his password had an exclamation point in it. Okay. And so when he we were we were doing it, I can't remember which. Uh, Shell on the using. command line, yeah, yeah. Trying to do the command line, it was all it was complaining. It thought the bang was you know an additional command, and it just didn't work. We tried quotes and all that crap, and that didn't work. So we changed his password, and we also that we found you know googling everything with Bing, um, a, there was a environment variable that you could set to allow basic authentication. Yeah, you uh, shouldn't need that. Because the basic, or, so basically, NTLM v2 should work on the version of macOS 10. Like, like that worked right. in 2006. We got that working. And the latest versions of Windows Server, actually, you have to do stuff to the server to allow it to do basic auth. Like, you'll have had to, you've had to foot about with TFS to get that to work. Hmm. Um, I didn't do that. So yeah, that's that. That, that, that I find that weird. Huh. Now that there, there was, I mean, if you're using HTTPS internally, then the, there's an environment variable that you quite often have to set, which basically, um, basically allows you to use a HTTPS connection without verifying the root certificate chain because you might be using an internally signed cert and you haven't dropped the root certificate into the right keystore on the back. That I've seen that quite happen right. quite a lot, but. Um, but just connecting should just work TM. You know what I mean? That's one of the very first <laughs> things that we fixed. So I would actually, um, I mean, you're an MVP. Abuse those connections. Give Paul Barnum yeah. a call and get him to get hop on the phone with him and see. Because that one's weird. I don't understand why that's not working. Well, we're working now. So I don't think I'm going to touch yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> I would still like to switch that environment environment off, environment variable off, and then use. Um, so Charles is a program on the Mac that's the same as Fiddler. Um, okay. So it's like a proxy, you know, a proxy proxy. Right. Or you can use Wireshark or whatever if you want to go hardcore, you know, and, and do packet sniffing without routing it for a proxy server. But um, I, I'd be tempted. I'd actually be interested to see what was going on, why that NTLM authentication wasn't working because it, it certainly should be and the, yeah. it, the fact that it's domain joined is interesting as well because there's i wonder if it's actually i wonder if the kerberos stuff has stopped working because the kerberos stuff used to be in there that would if you were domain joined that would actually allow single sign-on so you didn't have to authenticate at all i wonder right. if something's going a bit funny there even so i don't know but yeah i would yeah. i would abuse your uh connections <laughs> and in fact yeah, you know, we'll abuse them and talk to me and uh, we'll try and debug it because that's actually something i understand so 
Okay. Yeah, we're we're in the middle of a, a you know death march. Oh, yeah, oh, sprint, so I'm not going to mess that yeah, one up. Out. But uh, yeah, you maybe Labor Day weekend. Yep. Sounds good. Week we'll do that. Yep. At least you understand right. version control. A lot of times the yeah. Mac guy was like the designer, and they would never understand version control, and you just ended up with like a folder full of files with like you know final oh, yeah, final we... V2 final and all that sort of stuff. You know, what the crap? we we wanted to avoid that like the plague. We did that before with the previous release cycle mm-hmm. for this project, and it was just the integration was horrible. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. It had to be. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Cool. But in the end, we are currently working. So now with, the, with, with that information you gave me, uh, we're in a much better set. Okay. Thank you for that. Hey, well. And thank you, everybody, for listening and, and <laughs> being there on my personal tech call. Yeah, yeah, that's great. Right. Sorry, let's crack on with the show. Yes. Um, so some, um, some news that came out that we're talking about version control there. Um, on the ALM blog, we talked about some changes they did um, to, to around version control and also release management. So um, the thing that I actually thought was best, um, I mean, they, they updated the history view and things, but the thing that I think is really good is how they've tweaked the diff view the inline diff view to sh- to just really highlight what's actually different. It always showed you the lines on the page that were different, but they're highlighting the actual things that it's picking up as different, which is cool. Um, and um, they make it a lot easier now to create a readme when you create a repository, which is useful. Um, and we'll talk a little bit. Uh, so a readme is like a convention that you know you use in your Git repositories to, to describe what that repository is all about and you can create those um um, and if you create them then you can actually get them to pop up in your welcome uh portal for your your project page as well so anyway um yeah so that's all good and then they've just added some they just um the release management stuff they're doing seems to be going along pretty well and they've just added something you know some admin features to it but it seems to be you know when you sort of see if a new feature starts to mature this this one's starting to you know starting to get there, so it's I'm, I'm quite interested in their package management stuff. It seems to be coming along quite nicely. Um, and then a few other improvements. There's a bunch of around release management. But you'll be talking about release management later, I think. So um, the uh, the um, it's worth saying as well. The the Chris mentioned it in the previous show, but the uh, um, the build agents have been updated now with um, the Xamarin stuff. So that's cool. In a very uh, in a very brief blog post and to the point, Chris let let us know about that. Oh, and one other thing um, that uh, while we're doing updates. Um, They've announced um, the SSH support, which we talked about a while ago on, in, right. in the server. So this was if if your um, Mac guy w- was using Git, <laughs> then this uh-huh. would be the way that he could do it so that they had a key that was stored, um, an SSH key that was stored locally on their Mac, and then that meant that they didn't have to authenticate every time. So, uh, yeah, so there we go. Um, so the, uh, the, that's what SSH keys are useful for. Basically, we've get it's an authentication token to allow you to uh, to allow you to um, have sign on, not have to type a password in all the time, um, not have to cache, not have to transmit those passwords over the wire. It uses you know, public key cryptography. So yeah, right. so there we go. So some good updates on the service. This is, uh, but yeah, some some really good updates. They're doing. They keep on. They keep on cranking it. <laughs> Something else, you know, speaking of updates, one thing that I didn't really know about or, or follow or, or grok is, you know, the there's a bunch of content on MSDN, as everybody knows on it. But what I didn't know is they're also on a um, sprint cycle as well. Mm-hmm. And every... Well, they report cycle. to Brian as well, you know, so... It- yeah, so uh, August 2nd, they released a whole boatload of updated and new documents. Um, July 7th, they updated a whole bunch of them. June 17th, they released a boatload. June 1st. So we'll have both the, what the releases were in this one, as well as the content uh, page itself that details all of these releases in the show notes. But from, you know, engineering stories to videos to team services to TFS to Git blog posts, build stuff, just, uh, <laughs> it's an amazing amount of content that I had no clue was right. being created and released. Well, let's get those guys on the show sometime and get them to talk about how they use their agile process for content. Cause that, that, yeah. they, they do it properly. They have storyboards and everything. And, you know, and, you know, they, and they've got to like, they, you know, follow along with engineering and get stuff updated. And so, yeah, 
and and how they also work with the engineering teams as well to make you know you work hand in hand with with uh, your you know your tech writer to make sure you're getting stuff updated and things. So yeah, we should have them on the I, show. I love that idea. You know, documentation seems to be like the redheaded stepchild, but every developer wants to see the documentation. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I always like reading the docs, but nobody likes writing it. Yeah, I'd love to get them and, and okay. get the feedback cool. on that. Yeah, okay. I know Steve quite well, so we'll, we'll, we'll sort that out. Awesome. Awesome. Um, so an- another update that came out was around the extensions. So the extensions have been really mm-hmm. good. And again, it's another area that's been maturing very well. And uh, a sign of a really good mature store, they've actually added um, the ability to take 30-day trials of um, mm-hmm. the STS extensions, which is amazing, really, because, you know, that's like – that's a lot of work. <laughs> so this isn't just a token store, like, gallery – this is like right. a store. So, um, yeah, I was really impressed with that. I was just impressed if they've invested the time to do that. The shows are taking this really, really seriously, but also shows they must be getting quite a bit of traction if they're, if they're, getting, if they're getting that far down the backlog, if you know what I mean. Um, that right, shows that right. a lot of traction on the features. So, um, yeah, it was really cool. And, it, and it's, good, it's good for the providers of, you know, as um, somebody who used to be a partner trying to, provide people stuff trials was essential to, to mm-hmm. get business in um and so we would n- not hesitate to do a 30-day trial for anybody you know because just because we basically were you know wanted the product to speak for itself you know try it and you'll you'll understand how awesome it is you never want to trick people into giving you money if it's not going to work for them so um so yeah as a, as a partner you're always very grateful for things like that to come along so yeah i was i was amazed and it's great stuff well well done team yeah, and you don't even it's no credit card required yep. and no surprise charges after the end. Yeah. So it's it's a it's pretty an low risk trial. <laughs> <laughs> it's not like an Amazon Prime trial. It's an actual trial. Yeah. Mind you, I'm enjoying my Amazon Prime. I signed up for that recently. But anyway, carry on. <laughs> um, recently, we talked about application insights mm. and work item integration with um, VSTS. Yeah. That you could, you know, when you are in your application insight dashboard, you could create work items uh, based off of these. Um, Situations, you know, performance issues, whatever. You can just create them and they'll be there and you can work off it and it gives you all the context and information about that item. Well, the new Microsoft said that's not good enough. Um, You can now do the same thing with GitHub. So it's great if you if you you know if you've got some open source code in there as well or whatever you however you use GitHub it's great you know create right. create an issue they're calling GitHub but yeah that's it's very 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 cool and that just seems I don't know that it, it, that's awesome. I think actually yeah. just the fact that it is open like that and uh, that Microsoft is looking at that and the team is looking at that. And obviously application insights are not, they're not dev div, right? They're on the Azure. No application insights uh, work for Brian. It's part of the same okay. team. <laughs> so yeah. So the, so that same team is still looking out at, at GitHub. Well, I mean, like the build server uh, stuff integrates with GitHub as well. Right. Things, you know, it's, right. it's, um, and other people, and you know, they have extensions that plug in, you know, with some of the Atlassian things and with, uh, um, Slack and, you know, it's all very <laughs> yeah. like, just go pick the bits that work for you. We don't, and you know, it's, it's in self-interest because they don't want, to force you down don't want to force it to be an all or nothing route because odds are you've got at least some of these components in your solution anyway and you're kind of happy with them and don't want to touch them so they want to make it so you can use some of the stuff you know with as minimal friction as possible and then um you know rely on the fact that you'll you know like the 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 um the apple effect rely on the fact you think oh wow this is right. awesome and go and go and go try out some more stuff so well Related to application insights, mm-hmm. there's now uh, they've updated and added visual alerts to the metric widget for VSTS dashboard. So if you've, you're using application insights and God, I so want to integrate, I so want to use application insights that the idea of the telemetry that we can get from our applications auto magically. Oh, I so want that. Anyway, aside from that, um, there's been a widget for a little while, but what they've done is they've added um, visual alerts. So you can put thresholds basically. So, you know, it's uh, purple, orange, red, and, you know, so it's very easy to see if you've hit one of these thresholds and you can choose the metric like, you know, process IO rate and what the aggregation and the time range, and then you can set the values. It's a simple, easy way to set up the widget. Uh, 
but if you and if you're using application insights and vsts it seems like a no-brainer yeah no it's very cool um the uh, Lee Start's been doing a few posts lately over on the in uh, UK faculty, and um, he talked about it's basically it's an introduction to VSTS, but geared at um, uh, universities and education, and especially the you know UK universities that he works with. So uh, mm-hmm. it's just an interesting like roundup post that was a good sort of basic um, you know getting started kind of introduction to it, which I thought was good and worth calling out. And I just wanted to also give a shout out to um, you know friend of a show Willie P who. Um, <laughs> As far as I'm aware, he did the first like major. He worked with um, university in South Africa, and they they were using um, TFS to to do their university student projects and things. And and um, Lee's talking about how you know a, a, a quite a large number of UK universities are actually using VSTS to do student projects because um, it's all very well doing open source, but quite often you actually don't want that. You know what I mean? You want <laughs> you, you, uh, the way the universities yeah. work and yeah. being able to have unlimited numbers of um, private repositories and things is quite attractive and you know the pricing works out really well and you know the way that the tooling works is quite quite attractive to students so yeah vsts turned out to be a good option for those guys so it's it's an interesting post anyway so um thought it was worth calling out awesome talking about overviews Mm. muhammad rodwin talks about a release management overview for tfs and vsts you know if you're you know kind of like me and we've been talking about you've been hearing about release management but you haven't really looked at it as much as you probably should this is a great post it's short it's sweet it's management safe lots of pretty pictures and arrows and stuff so if you're trying to sell your management team or your your ops guys or you know whomever your peers uh, this is a nice post to do that and it kind of outlines the differences between vsts and tfs related to uh, release management it talks about one of the things you always worry i worry about is okay uh devops that means i'm going to release to production you know, oh, no, you don't. It's one of those great little arrow diagrams here. It talks about your CI build and then how you create your release definition that goes to your dev servers. And then you can release it to QA servers. And then you can release it to your staging or pre-production servers. And then you can release it to production servers. So that workflow that we've all been doing for a billion years, release management will help you do that repeatedly and easily. So take a look at this post if you're at all interested in this. Yeah, yeah it's a great overview. Um, so the engine guys have been into some really good stuff and, um, James Broom over at engine did a blog post that, um, was enlightening to me in a couple of ways. So basically he's using power BI to query the work item at a store. I was like, huh? And he's <laughs> doing that using, but basically power BI has got some stuff in it. Um, that helps you make web service requests, you know, and get JSON response back and then actually parse the JSON. And I was like, huh? <laughs> I, was like, I can use that for a million things, never my work items. But yeah, so that was really, really cool. Um, and just a, um, a neat way of using it. So uh, yeah, if you take a look at the blog post from James Broom at Engine and keep an eye on the, the Engine blog, there's some, been, been some interesting posts there lately. Awesome. Uh, Jeff Bramwell has a post, mm. and this was something I also thought was really kind of cool. Uh, it's uh, creating a file in VSTS with just APIs. Uh-huh. I, I, you can think about like a million things that you can do with this. I've always, you know, you, you think you need to create a file, a readme or whatever. It's like, okay, fire up this environment, you know, add it and do all this good kind of stuff and, you know, check it in. Uh, no. Now, again, using the REST APIs, uh, you can create a file programmatically. Now, I'm going to caution against this. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's great to do manually through the web interface. Uh-huh. My worry about this is if you build automation, to you know, because you're looking at this, you're building some automation to go create a file. And creating one or two files is fine. Creating uh-huh. a bunch of files <laughs> because it isn't the right thing to do, is probably not the right thing to do. And it's probably going to hammer the server's performance because servers aren't the server isn't built to do all the version control for all of its clients on the server. It's mm-hmm. built for the version control to be done on the client locally 
and then the deltas pushed up, like the stuff pushed up to the server and then merged in, if you know what I mean. And mm. so kind of what you're doing by editing a file using the the API is you're basically doing the client and the server work on the same machine, on the same, on the same machine, on the same machine. Now this is a VSTS REST API call. So, Hey, you could argue why well, it isn't my machine, but you're going to find the performance isn't great and i know that people have encountered similar problems when they've been doing some sort of similar sorts of things um against github apis as well and um because it's the same problem and uh so basically if you're doing a lot of version if you're doing like one file fine but if you're creating multiple files or you are um or you're doing like lots of stuff with source control then in this example, he's talking to a Git repository. You're going to find much, much, much better performance if you use um, libgit2, which is the Git library, that, you know, libgit2sharp, sorry, which is the right. Git library that they use in Visual Studio, and actually clone down the repository, do your version control stuff, make a commit, and then uh, push that, that stuff back up in one go. You'll, you'll, you'll find it be um, significantly better performance, it, 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 you know. <laughs> But you're going to have to learn how to write all that code, and I know you're not going to be bothered. And so people are going to use this thinking, I can't be bothered writing all that code, and they're going to get sucky performance. And then if you do it against an on-prem server, they're going to take the server out. So, uh, yeah, awesome. And and it's also good detective work because Jeff's showing you how you can use Fiddler to look at the APIs that, that the browser actually calls when it's creating files and things. So definitely handy, but don't uh, don't abuse you know don't abuse with it. great power and all that yeah indeed yeah. indeed so um i had a couple of posts of what to talk about so pratap uh, okay. has been doing some posts around um the visual studio test platform started a series it's worth checking out we'll put a link in the show notes but i think what we should just do instead is probably get uh, pratap on for uh, a show because he's a great guy and uh, okay yeah let's just let's just get him on and get, yeah. get him to do the audio version of this blog post because <laughs> it basically explains where they are right now and then he's going to talk about some other stuff so things so yeah let's just let's just let's just set that up so that's that's the job for martin yep okay good good yeah and basically it's we've, i think we mentioned it before that vs test is not dead Oh, VS test is alive Definitely and well not. and more important and has a great future ahead of it so yeah more importantly it's also open as well so you, you, yep. again you don't have to just use vs test you can use vs test and then unit and next unit and a bunch of other things and just keep on going and everything's great so, no <laughs> is that and that's the 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 team you know that that kind of open way of working has sort of infected the whole team so and and this is a, an example of one of the teams that that's definitely infected so it's great to see cool so there was another one in, in that series, Martin, that I really wanted to get your feedback on. This is a post I am not going to pronounce your name, Camelassiana. Uh, exploratory testing with a Chrome plugin. Yeah, I was going to skip that one. Oh, okay, <laughs> well, no, I just, we'll talk I, about it because if you found it looks, interesting, so yeah, I yeah, it's yeah, it's Chrome. Okay, fine, whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a Chrome world now. I'm using Edge, but I still fall back to Chrome. Um, but this is the important thing is in the marketplace doing... there is a plugin for Chrome that you can use. You know how you can use it for exploratory testing, basically. Uh, right, and it's for your internal. You can use it internally too. It really doesn't matter. It's not like it's just going to be the web. And this article goes into great details, lots of pictures, uh, how you do this exploratory type testing. Yeah. And keep it all together in your work items, in your TFS environment and yeah. tracking all of that, creating the test cases, running the test cases, uh, marking up images, you know, pointing arrows and say, this should say that. Uh, we're working on a project right now where something like this could probably come in real handy. If only except- you were using TFS to work items. Yeah. <sighs> But yeah, no, you know, it's it's huge. It is, and it, you know, we've had these this functionality um, in IE for a long, 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 long time. You know, for exploratory testing stuff, and the and um, uh, and through the exploratory testing tool locally, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And the fact that it's just there, available as a Chrome plugin, is awesome. And um, yeah. it just it just exploratory testing is a great way of pointing business users at something and getting reproducible bugs out of them. 
and getting data that's actually usable that you can use. Um, obviously, it's in this example, it's testing a website and things. Right. You know, it records what they're doing. It allows them to easily take screenshots. It allows work items to easily get created and things. And so, yep, it's very cool. And uh, it's awesome that they've done the Chrome plugin for it because, you know, a lot of people use Chrome. So good on them. Uh, I actually need to check if I'm guessing then hmm. I should. I might go play with it. I'm wondering if this works cross-platform, you know what I mean? Because a lot of Chrome plugins are, but let's have a quick look. Anyway, it'd be interesting. <laughs> I didn't even think about that. I kind of would always assume that it would be. Mm. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But no, but, but in that case, that's a really good thing because <laughs> this gives you all the rich functionality of the exploratory test tool. Uh, I'm going to go play with it and have a find out. Huh. And you wanted to skip this article. I uh, know, exactly. Never mind. <laughs> So uh, another article, uh, we were talking about agents, VSTS agents. Well, um, Colin Dembowski. Yeah, Colin is awesome. I'm practicing your name over and over again, and I still screwed it up. Dembowski? Good Twitter feed for us. But anyway, carry on. Running the new .NET Core VSTS client in a Docker container. If you're working in the Docker world, Working with containers, he talks about all the commands on how to set it up, how to configure it, and some, you know, gotchas, like the self-updating agent, yeah, which we've talked about last show. You know, that, that can be a gotcha if you're working it in this situation and how to resolve that. Mm-hmm. It's just it's just such a cool post in so many ways, and I'm just I'm just thrilled that it's using the new uh, obviously the new .NET Core based agent. So yeah, good on him. Um, so uh, we did a, we talked the other day about uh, the other show about um, um, Richie Jamie Miara was talking about how to you know isolate your um, TFS. Uh, pre-production environment you know, when you've taken right. a clone of production and then you're doing some testing against it and how you how how you do that safely um which is good and we went through that and then chris patterson mentioned oh yeah build agents are always a thing that go horribly wrong and then <laughs> da, 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 as, if, as if he listens to the show and i know he does so um there's a whole blog post about how how to make sure that you've isolated your environment so that your build agents don't the production build agents don't start talking back to the pre-production server so yeah very 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 cool and well timed good good poster yeah one thing with tfs quote 15 uh-huh. coming out uh i wanted to re-mention the requirements and capability page ah uh, yeah of course yeah so and especially since i'm upgrading to tfs 2015 next month going through this again and reviewing it and luckily if you for tfs 2012 2013 2015 all your suicide requirements are essentially the same which is which is nice and Within reason. I mean, look at 2012 and, you know, if you're running home server 2011, yeah, that won't go forward. But if you're on, you know, Windows Server 2008 R2, then you'll be fine through 2015, even uh, TFS quote 15. The one thing, the major thing that changes is the SQL server. TFS right now, as I'm looking at the page this second, TFS 15 supports uh, SQL Server 2014 SP2 and above only. Mm. So I, you know, for TFS 2015 update three, it still supports uh, SQL Server 2012 SP1 plus. So I'm good there. That was the same requirement as uh, TFS 2012, 2013. But when I upgrade to 2015, I'm going to have to upgrade my SQL Server, which is not that big of a deal, but it could be worse. It can be for some people because often they get given, like the TFS admin gets given a SQL Server by their by the ops guys, you know, uh, and, and that's, yeah, that could be a nightmare. That's actually a great point. We had a, a feedback from Peter who was mentioning that, I think, and that, uh, you know, he was really worried about having to upgrade. At that point, he was upgrading to 2015. He was worried about upgrading his SQL servers. Mm-hmm. But, uh, Peter, when you upgrade to 2015, yeah, you'll, you'll have to be aware of that and deal with that. So this is a great page and it talks about client side stuff too. And it's talking about TFS 15, Visual Studio 15, uh, the matrix of supports between them all. You know, if you're looking at that team explore everywhere, compatibilities with all these new TFS versions. So we'll have the, the link in the show notes as well. If you're looking to upgrade, uh, this is a must-have resource. Very cool. Hey, Greg, it must be we hmm. must be getting close to that time. Any uh, any ranging news? <sighs> yeah, nobody's given us a jingle yet. Okay, you ranging so. news. <laughs> there you go. Um, okay. We've talked to a number of rangers. Uh, I'm going to get my 12-year-old son to do a jingle for us. He likes his music. <laughs> 
But carry on. Uh, you know, anybody who's done follow the Rangers for any length of time, it's the branching guidance that seems to be that that shining, you know, city on the hill, that that piece of thing that we've just gone back to and lived with for forever. I mean, it came out in uh, 2015, uh, 2005, 2005. Wow. Yeah. So uh, the key is, is that it is retired. The version on Coplex, the V2 version of it is retired. It's still available, but they're not making any changes to it. Okay. So what do you do? Mm-hmm. You know, what does a guy like me who is interested, you know, branching strategies are still applicable. What they've done is Peter, he's, um, Peter, Willie has uh, listed here in this page uh, all of the articles related to it, all of the blog posts related to it, posters related to it, uh, a page to find all the related articles in the future to it. So <laughs> like one of the articles, oh my God, I just checked in a huge binary. Now what? Uh, it's one of those. <laughs> That's a good post. I like it. <laughs> and the blog post, he does it through the walkthrough of the branching strategies, main only simplified rules or the TFVC rules, the workflows on making changes and reviewing changes and, you know, con- converting a TFVC repository, Git versus TFVC considerations, the Git workflow. I should probably actually look at that thinking that we just had that conversation about uh-huh. that, huh? Yeah, there you go. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Again, Rangers, thank you. Willie, thank you for putting this stuff up. Um, even though the branching guidance as we knew it is gone, we have a future version of the branching guidance. Very cool. And last thing, mm-hmm. you know, we can't have a show, it seems, without invoking this individual's name. Uh-huh. Yeah, no, I, I don't know why. She, honestly, folks, she's not paying us. Yeah. She's not sending us swag. But uh, Angela Dugan just seems to be on a roll here. Today, she's talking about that conference and game night at mm-hmm. that conference. Have you been to that conference? Uh, no. And um, I'm uh, so Clark Sells, one of my uh, uh, oldest friends. So mm-hmm. it's his fault I'm involved in, got involved in TFS to begin with, actually, from uh, way, 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 you know, for a long, gosh, a long time back. And he organizes it. And Angela's been, Angela used to work with Clark. And then she's been part of uh, that conference for a long time. And it's a really, really popular conference. Everybody you know who goes loves it. The speakers who go love going. So if you can get to that conference, then go. It's one of these um, summer camp type conferences. You know what I mean? But it's uh, it's really, really cool. And Angela just packs a truck with um, and she goes with her husband and takes loads of game stuff up. And it started off quite small and, and now has got pretty serious in terms of doing some, <laughs> you know, doing some uh, gaming. So, yeah. Yeah. She talks about how, you know, her, her husband was uh, built his own you know, homegrown board checkout system and everything else. But that this has become so popular that a local company, um, Boardlandia is now stepped up and they're sponsoring game night. That's unbelievable. (laughs) That's just cool. So they're going to, Boardlandia is going to handle it. They'll do all that. So, so Angela and hubby can, uh, uh, hang out and actually enjoy the time. And, uh, even best of all, it's kind of cool is that if you do a web order, like now, you go to their website and look at all their cool, hard to find kid games, family uh-huh. games, whatever. Uh, you do a web order and you're there at that conference. They'll deliver it to you that night. Wow. That's awesome. Yeah. So that's kind of neat. It's amazing how much this, I say it's incredibly, they, they get so much repeat attendance at this conference. You know what I mean? For people coming back year after year, which just goes to show you, you know, they're doing something right because uh, people keep coming back and it's, you know, they have a real good atmosphere there. So, yep. Head out if you can. Hey, uh, so uh, what a feedback time. We're getting to the end of the show. Yep. Do we have any feedback? We have two emails. Wow, so what's been going on? That. Okay, cool. Um, we, first... got, we got some weird, some great spam emails this year, this week, didn't we? It was awesome. <laughs> but anyway, carry on. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I just wanted to say uh, 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 Rod Blanja uh-huh. sent us an email, and he was asking about uh, when we mentioned how release management went from uh, XAML to web. He was kind of asking why. Why did the core agents, why why did they make that change? So, yeah, for the build definitions. That's interesting. Right. So Chris kind of touched on it a bit. Um, so uh, the XAML um, turned out editing the build definitions in the XAML editor was really hard and the performance mm-hmm. sucked quite badly. Um, and especially for the types of stuff you wanted to do, um, it was it was always, it was always quite hard. And uh, if you look at the um, 
the books you know i remember when i was doing the tfs books for um for the and trying to cover the build stuff when they moved to the xaml as well and you'd be like hey you want to make this change like how do you communicate that and you ended up you have all this like masses and masses and masses and masses of xml and then you would highlight like the four characters that are changed by switching a dialogue box, and you you know in bold or something. And it was very hard to do. So there was that side. It was also um, they wanted to enable being able to edit build definitions uh, cross platform, so being able to edit them outside of Visual Studio, um, both from different operating systems, but also from the browser in on Windows, you know, from Edge on Windows, whatever. Um, so and there's no way of doing that because there isn't a good XAML editor for Windows either. You know, you have to go build a bunch of stuff. Um, It also turned out it was more than just that as well. Because of the way um, variables were parsed and things, you actually had to pull down a whole... um, uh, VB interpreter as well, so it was a big deal, and um, they just wanted to make it easier to do simple customizations to build, to have version control, and should just make it like the XAML stuff was incredibly powerful, but it was probably a bit too powerful, you know. And this was right. a bit more fit for purpose and and a lot more simple. Um, so yeah, yeah, is that a good enough answer? I think so. Right, hopefully, Rod, let, let us know. Yep, if we answered your question. And we have another email from Jeff Youngstrom. Hey, Jeff. Thanks, Jeff. He pointed out a, I, I fat-fingered a, a link on last week's. Um, as a matter of fact, it was for uh, um, Risi Jean Maria's post. I screwed that up. Uh. So uh, he, he set me straight. I want to thank you for that. And uh, made a suggestion about you know our uh, our show notes. We should have an RSS feed for that. Huh. So that's Does that not a- come up in the... No, huh. no, there it's only the one, you know, there's one little section in the admin page. It's just, I always put like a brief. Yeah, because you don't want to mess up the uh, description field when it comes into certain browsers. Yeah, 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 yeah. So uh, I basically blamed you. That's, I said, you no, know, no. Martin, build it in Web Matrix yeah, and, uh, really. over a weekend. And, <laughs> and then we haven't touched it since. Yeah. But uh, uh, Jeff, you reached reaching out to us actually meant more than uh, you know than I could say. I really appreciate yeah, that, definitely. and I really appreciate that you go to the the show notes, and I'm glad you like the stuff that uh, we talk about and we include on the uh, on those notes. I'm just looking now because I'm sure I did that, but I'm just trying to get it working. Here we go. RSS. Here we go. All right. Yeah, we should probably remove the Zoom. Yeah. <laughs> subscribe in zoom yeah yeah and that we need to fix mickey's link yeah yeah okay i'll get on all right sorry boss I have to dust off Web Matrix. I was talking to you guy the other day. He's a developer. He used to work on Web Matrix. He works on that nowadays. So anyway, right. I think that's a show. Now, if you guys want to give us feedback, please send us an email, radiotfs at outlook.com, or if for whatever reason that borks, radiotfs at gmail.com. Um, and we, Twitter. Do, we do read every single one, don't we, as well? You know, you, even the spam ones we enjoy giggling at. So uh, definitely yes. send us a post, even if we don't mention it on the show. Thanks very much. Um, Twitter at Radio TFS, Facebook slash Radio TFS, voicemail. Remember, if there's voicemail safe for work, we'll play it on the air, on the air, online, on record, on web, whatever. We'll we'll, we'll play your voicemail one four two five two three three eight three seven nine. And I think that's the show, Martin. Sounds good. Thanks very much. Enjoyed it. Right. Yeah, I did too. Uh, it's a shame that Mickey. We thought Mickey and Paul were going to be able to make it, but uh, last minute stuff comes up. Yeah. But um, we're still here, giving you the TFS news. Yeah. And again, love to Mickey and his to- family as well. Yes, absolutely. Yes, when our fingers and hearts and legs are crossed mm-hmm. for them. Uh, thank you for listening. Thank you, thank you, thank you for listening to Radio TFS. Mm-hmm.